Hello, geekdom community and those of you listening all over the globe. We're worldwide. Worldwide. Welcome to another episode, episode 21 of the Geekdom Underground podcast. It Tim is, Duncan version. <laughs> yeah, Tim, <laughs> Timmy, shout out. Um, we're here. We're talking to another uh, awesome community member. But before we jump into that, it's me, your boy, JRG, hanging out with... Hey, good morning, everybody. My name is Philip Hernandez, COO here at Geekdom, and I'm super excited to have episode 21 of Geekdom Underground here in the Geekdom Podcast Studio. And today, we're excited to be interviewing longtime Geekdom member Tommy McNish, co-founder of Willie and Rue, which is a monthly subscription service for dogs to keep them healthy and happy. Nailed it. God, I did nail it. Well, yeah. it was, it, I was almost there. I'm impressed. Tommy, thank you so much for being here. Hey, you're very welcome. Thank yeah. you guys for having me. I appreciate it. A legend in the flesh. I'm awesome. just going to say it. Yeah, oh, absolutely. That is way overblown. <laughs> no, that's that, I think I think it's good to lead with that. Yeah. So, so uh, Tommy, if you would, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from. Yeah, okay. So, um, well, I was born, you know, it, it, I, I, my, I'm, the easiest way to start it off is probably just say I'm, I'm a military brat, right? My dad was Air Force career, um, right so on. I grew up all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that probably lent itself a lot to the, you know, ended up getting into sales and networking and building those networks of, of friends and colleagues. I had to do it all the time when we moved because we were moving on average every year or so, right? Wow. So, yep. Um, so good experience lived all over the country. We never went overseas, unfortunately, but mm, yeah, but, um, and then I ended, I went to high school, graduated high school in, in Northern Virginia in Fairfax, um, right outside of DC and went to college in North Carolina at UNC Greensboro fighting Spartans. Hey, go know, Spartans. I don't know if they have a hand thing. <laughs> well, just do them all. Probably be that something be. like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't even know. Um, and uh, got a degree in communication immediately after school, got a, a sales job because a communication degree is good for sales. Yeah. And sales. Sure. Pretty much. <laughs> when, when did you make your way down to Texas? Uh, I got in Texas in 2001. Actually, my I, I got my company that I was with. I was with Icon Office Solutions, and I think they've since been bought uh, by Rico. So oh, right I, was, I was slinging copiers and fax machines. It was a sexy job. Right on. <laughs> um, but I did okay at it. And I, I had a family issue. My sister uh, and my three nieces in Houston were going through some stuff and I wanted to be closer to them. My parents live here in San Antonio. Hmm. Um, so I convinced the company at the time to transfer me to the San Antonio office. Yeah. Uh, totally different office, terrible market share, not, you know, not great, but, uh, yeah. but that's, that was my, my first day of work at icon in San Antonio was, Actually, my second day was Tuesday, uh, September 11th, 2001. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. It yeah. Was, yeah. That's a lot. That's a lot of emotion and drama to throw on people that you met the day before. Yeah. Oh, gosh. But luckily, they were like, okay, everybody, you can go home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Take take some time to figure this out. You know, there's a lot going on. And so I sat in my parents' house just watching it happen. And I have family in New York and oh, God, good friends. I, had, I have a good friend from college that actually worked in, in one of the towers. Oh, wow. And thank God she was not there when it happened. But, yeah. you know, just that was crazy. That was my welcome to San Antonio moment. Yeah. Have you been here ever since? Been here ever since. Wow. Yeah. It's like 20 years. It's been San Antonio. See, you call me a legend. It's mm-hmm. you live long enough. People call you words. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've just been here for a while. Yeah. Um, sure, but sure. Yeah. So, I mean, in 2004, I got really lucky and, and landed the job at Rackspace. And that's kind of where this all started. Right. Um, right on. 
when I started, I think there was about 400 people worldwide. We had a UK office in uh-huh. San Antonio and, um, so that was over a data point. That was it. Da- no, actually, when I started, we were in the what used to be the Broadway Bank building right across wow. from the Weston Center. Yeah, yeah that's crazy. Well, that's early, early. That's OG. Yeah. Yeah. Not, yeah. not like in the Weston Center OG, but yeah. You know, mm-hmm. that was so a- then you went You went from there. Uh, how long were you at Rackspace? I was there until 2011. Wow. So you went yeah. from there to data point. Yep. And then data point, dirty point. Did you go to the castle? (laughs) I did go to the castle. Yeah. When the, what used to be Mervyn's department store was the first phase one. Yeah. So So you saw it in three locations. Oh man. I saw, it was just such an amazing experience working at Rackspace for that time frame. Like incredible people, a really impressive mission and an important mission that everybody bought into. Mm -hmm. And uh, that fanatical support Kool-Aid, yeah. Is no joke. So you worked under Graham, Dirk, yeah. Lanham. Yeah. You worked under all of the, the yeah. legends. Yeah, the, the real legends. The <laughs> legends, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Graham is, um, uh, he's, a, he's a mentor and a friend, and I just, um, uh, I'm lucky to know him and Lanham. Unfortunately, I haven't kept in touch with Lanham, but man, I love that guy. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, there's a ton of, of just super impressive, um, real legend people, you know, that, uh, came from Rackspace in that time frame. It's it pretty, was, it I was, was going to say, it's just pretty interesting to see. We, we hear numerous like Rackspace connections. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's pretty cool. And it's cool to see yeah. that you're still around and, you know, it's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, man. Well, I'm glad I'm still around too. Yeah. So <laughs> Just in general. So, but, well, we but, hear it a lot at Geekdom is like, oh, I remember you from Rackspace. Yeah. So like, oh, you know, and yeah. just, it's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. My wife says all the time she can't go to the grocery store with me because of it. inevitably we'll <laughs> run into somebody and be like, hey. And then it's like a 10-minute conversation. Yeah. She's like, everybody worked at Rackspace. <laughs> um, but it was awesome, man. I mean, I was there during the real growth. Um, yeah. And, you know, when I started there, I was on what they called the Q team, which was literally, you know, somebody hits the website and a chat window pops up. Hey, how can I help you today? Yeah. That was me and the rest of the team. First interaction. First interaction. Yep. Yep. Um, the reasoning behind that was because I didn't know anything about hosting. I knew nothing. I mean, I came from copier sales and then I did a little bit in like cellular phone type stuff. Yeah. Um, and so a server hosting, like I knew nothing. Firewall, no idea. Yeah. And um, so the Q team was the right spot to kind of learn what we do, have those conversations with the, the customers or the prospects that were coming through, pass it along to the sales team. Um, so it was, it was like, you know, literally just education by, by keyboard. Yeah. And you, you had, uh, you may not have known or had the, the knowledge on hosting, but you did have something. Yeah. You had experience with working with customers, Exactly. which, you know, that's what, that's what was the game changer for Rackspace. The differentiator yeah, was that you. level of support and you were able to provide that. Absolutely. How did you, how did you, uh, ramp up and learn about hosting? Yeah. So, um, honestly, there was a book that everybody read. Um, I think, uh, one of, one of the, uh, longtime rackers actually had a section that he wrote in this book. Uh, Tom, oh man, I just blanked out on his last name and that's terrible, but he, uh, everybody read this kind of like in general, what hosting was. Yeah. Um, and then you would hear the empirical data from people and, and, and kind of the anecdotes about yeah. what hosting is and how shared hosting is kind of like an apartment where there's a bunch of people in the same building yep. and you're sharing resources. Right. And then 
dedicated hosting, which back then everything was dedicated. That was what our differentiator, right? Fanatical support, dedicated hosting, yep. you know, managed, managed hosting. hosting. Yeah, yep. Exactly. And, uh, you know, now everything's cloud. And, yeah. and so cloud was literally just kicking off when I was, uh, when I phased out in 2011, but, yeah. but man, I, I learned, I was on the Q team for three months. Um, wow. and learned enough uh, that I got moved up to be a, a, a business development consultant, BDC in the SMB segment, small to medium business. Um, I did that with people like Vladimir Mata, um, so many Manisha Mahajan, like just some real winners, man, like yeah. amazing people. Um, what an exciting time too. Cause that was, you were there then, uh, when Rackspace went public. 2008. 2008. Yeah. 8-8-2008. Yeah. Wasn't it? Wasn't that, <laughs> wasn't it that was. the date? Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, with the bells and everything. I was watching when Lanham, you know, yeah. smacked the thing and rang the bell. And what was what was that like? What was the what was the vibe like in, in an office environment like that? It's a, that's a really good question because it was mixed, right? Yeah. Like there was a mixture of like pride and a little bit of apprehension and fear, right? Because now... Sure. You're not just being watched by the private investors and the executives. You're being watched by the street. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So everything you do is is you know public. It it added a whole new layer of responsibility mm -hmm. and um and bureaucracy. Honestly, like a little yeah. bit. It 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 couldn't help but kill a little bit of the of the the soul of Rackspace. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, look, when I started in the Broadway Bank building on the I think it was the fifth floor. Um, Fridays, they would bring in a keg. Yeah. You don't do that when you're a public company. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and they didn't do that. You know, it, that was 2004. It didn't last for very long. And, and they had rules around it. It was all legit. But, but you know, that was the kind of place your, your, your Nerf gun battles and your, you know, spitballs. And, <laughs> and it was just a ton of fun. It was literally just kind of like a, a playhouse, man, yeah. that you were like, doing work and making sales and, um, it was so much fun. And did it was, you, it was still fun afterwards. Did you, uh, I, cause I wasn't there at that time, but mm -hmm. I was there, uh, from 2011 to 2016. Nice. And, um, it was much different, yep. um, at that time. So I was there right when you transitioned out. So you were there during the Taylor and I was there, I was there at the tail end of Lanham. Yep. And then when, when Taylor, um, took over, well, also, Lanham and then Graham, guy. Graham kind of took over for a little bit and then right. Taylor Rhodes came in. Yep. Um, but, but what, what I thought was crazy was like at that time there were probably 3,000, 3,400 mm -hmm. about Right. When I left, yeah. it was around 4,000 mm -hmm. globally. And, uh, what was so strange is I still felt that like entrepreneurial startup feel. Oh, and, sure. and I, I didn't know how to take that. It was like, how am I in this like corporate job yep. in this massive, you know, million square foot abandoned mall that with a slide with a, a slide a coffee bar? Yeah, <laughs> I how, missed all that good stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but you know, how am I here but still feel like I'm contributing to building something? Yeah, and yeah. that was a, that was a really uh, interesting feeling for me. That's for me. That's something that kind of um, sparked that. Um, interest in entrepreneurialism and, Absolutely. you know, just startups in general. Yep. Can you talk about what it was like being in the Broadway bank and then going to data point and then growing into, um, you know, the old Windsor park mall, like what was the, 
did you have that same kind of startup y feel and scrappiness oh, there? Like, yeah. what was that like? I mean, even with, when I started, there's 400 people, which is already a pretty, a pretty significant size company, yeah. comparably. Mm -hmm. But it always felt very startup, very young, um, growth oriented. Yeah. Uh, everybody, <laughs> for a long time, everybody really did have some input. Yeah. And so feeling like you were contributing to this machine and it, the, the value that you got of contributing to that environment, right? Like I, I, everybody felt a sense of ownership over Rackspace. That's a great feeling. It's yeah. awesome. I mean, that's what you want, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. and especially if you're entrepreneurial because you want to feel like you're making a difference, that your efforts are contributing to something greater. And uh, you know, as an entrepreneur, it's your business, right? Yeah. And when you start, it's only you. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but it felt like that at Rackspace and it was a very supportive environment. I learned a lot. I made some amazing friends and uh, I loved every minute of it, man. And and um, the only reason I left is because um, there was a actually Lorenzo, <laughs> Lorenzo and Matt Schatz. Uh, there was a, a startup that was partially funded. Actually, I think primarily funded by one of Rackspace's founders, Patrick Condon. Mm. And um, it was called City Voice. And they, uh, we talked about me going over there and, and, and leading um, the business development or part of the business development consulting role, right? Like current yeah. customers growth. Um, they had another guy that was doing his guy, Ryan, he was great. And he did most of the acquisition sales yeah. but, and, and city voice was all about, uh, digital marketing, right? Like it was, it was a complete shift. It was, uh, Google ads at the time focused on service companies like air conditioning companies and plumbers. Right. Mm. So Lorenzo was, gosh, what was his role over there? Matt shots was the CEO and Lorenzo was CTO, I think. Oh yeah. Um, right on. Or I can't, but you know, and he was some kind of a three letter thing. <laughs> he was a C something. He was up there. <laughs> that's, man, that, that's awesome. I want to, I, I do want to, uh, come back to that. But okay, yeah. what I want to what I want to talk about uh, before we move on from your Rackspace experience, yeah. how do you how do you think they uh, how do you think Rackspace created and maintained a culture like that where the mm. employees the Rackers felt that sense of ownership and pride in what they do? Man, you know, if I knew that then I would have a thousand employee company too. <laughs> you know, like I don't. Yeah. But I think it had a lot to do with people like Sugar Bear. Yeah. You know, like you start off. Larry Reyes, for those of you who, yeah, who don't yeah, know him, Larry Sugar Reyes, Bear. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, Sugar <laughs> Bear. I mean, just um, he was kind of, he, he wasn't the trainer when I joined, but as soon as when he took that over, yeah, he kind of became the embodiment of the culture yeah right like mm -hmm. it, uh, you could just feel it from him what we were doing and how important it was and it was just a supportive environment and, and the uh you know the core values that that they preached you know treat rackers like friends and family um you know taking care of the customer all those things and i don't remember them anymore don't tell graham but, <laughs> um but they were really important to me at the time and uh it was posted everywhere. They did a great job of recognizing people for their successes. You know, you walk through Rackspace and there's banners, you know, yeah. with the number of years you've worked there and everybody's got something on their desk. The core, the, the, the strengths was yep. a big part of it. Um, mm -hmm. you know, everybody had their strengths on their name card. Uh, and, uh, I st still remember my top five. I'm pretty sure they're not the same anymore. 
Yeah. Kathy Kirsten and I would have a discussion about that. <laughs> <laughs> and shout out Kathy Kirsten. Yeah, we, we were just we, with her yesterday. Yeah, yeah, this week we did a uh, uh, strengths finder workshop with our staff awesome. and her. Yeah, and, she's great. Man. Um, that's our second time doing it with her here at Geekdom together. Yeah. Um, but she, yeah, she's just, she's awesome. And unfortunately, we did it this time last year with her. Yeah. And unfortunately, it was virtual. It was over Zoom. Of and, course. you know. Kathy, her energy is infectious, oh, and mm-hmm. she's she's fantastic at what she does. Yep. Um, but having the opportunity to do it in person this year was it was awesome, and um, you know that it, it reminded me about um, I think about the culture a lot at Rackspace, yeah. and I think about that secret sauce and it's and what it was lightning in a bottle, man. I, yeah, I, I wish I could tell you exactly what combination of of variables made it happen like that. Yeah, something did, and I think it just had a lot to do with leadership. You know, yeah. embracing that, having things like the um, uh, the all hands meetings that they would have when they would go over all of the, hey, here's how what we're doing on sales and here's EBITDA and Lanham taught everybody what EBITDA meant. <laughs> yeah. You know, and you had these every quarter yeah. um, to show the results and, and everybody was a part of it and could ask questions. Um, yeah. I And then, of course, just leaving it relatively free for you to be yourself, right? Like, yeah some of the guys that were third shift um support you know their area shout out, <laughs> shout out man yeah. yeah no doubt i can't tell you how many times they saved my ass <laughs> um but they preferred to be in an, in a work environment it was dark um several of them actually had umbrellas over their desk to block out the ambient light Yep. And they would be shoeless and you missed their bumpers or what? Dude, I was second shift. That was my yeah, that was my okay. role at Rackspace. I was second shift support. Yep. And uh with Brant Bumpers. I don't know if you ever knew Brant <sighs> Bumpers, but name doesn't ring uh we had him on the podcast. He he was I think he was after you as well. Yeah. But um but another legend. And yeah, yeah I mean we yeah. talked about that, how um how that was a big piece of it. Where like, you know, Rackspace um and, and we talked with Kathy about this too, how mm-hmm a big part of their culture was playing to everybody's strengths yep. rather than trying to fix your weaknesses. Absolutely. And, and um, they really bought into the strengths finder and yeah. managing to people's strengths. Yeah. yeah. It gives you a language, a shared language to you know, speak yep. with. That's so. a great way to put it. Yeah. Yep. Um, so awesome. Thank you for that. It's great yeah. to hear about your experience there. And, oh, and I loved it. It was fantastic. And it's awesome to hear too, how, like how many people we've had on this podcast that, uh, when they talk about where they're from, mm-hmm. Rackspace is a piece of that. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, just it's, there's, there's certain times in your, in your career, in your life where you have defining moments. Yep. And for me, a lot of those happened at Rackspace. You're, dude, I couldn't have said it better. Um, so much of so much of who I am today is because of the time I spent at Rackspace and the people I spent it with. Yeah. More so than the influence I had from high school or college. Um, I think Rackspace was probably the first community where I really found myself and felt valued and valuable. Right. Yeah. Um, and it just feels good to go to work knowing that you're doing something you're good at and yeah. you enjoy kind of what it's all about you know so when I when I left I had been on the enterprise team and and I got to work with some clients like Sony Music and Warner Music those were mine um Harbor Freight Tools was my account um that's awesome oh dude it's so cool because so much fun you know I I don't know how your experience was in your team but for me my experience on my team 
we were just a collective of misfits. Like, yeah, totally. <laughs> and and it was so cool. I'd never seen that anywhere else. Yeah. Where like you know I, I we would talk about how we would never expect that we would be working with these large companies or working for them or serving them or something. Yeah, it's weird. And then now... You're sitting there in your shorts and flip-flops yeah. and talking to Sony. <laughs> well, Sony Music kind of does the same thing, but, you know, you've got these big organizations. Like, yeah. Ario, there was a company that I, I managed called Ario Trans, and if any of, <laughs> any of the support people that were working at Rackspace on the enterprise side were there when they were still called Ario Trans, I'm probably going to get some phone calls because they're like, I can't believe you brought them up. Yeah. <laughs> they were like the problem child, but they were one of Rackspace's biggest clients. Like mm, top yeah. five, I think. And, yeah. Um, uh, and honestly, they were decent guys. They were really a good group of people, but they were, they needed that extra. Right? Yeah. Hand-holding. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. They, they really mean, needed that managed part of the managed hosting. <laughs> their, their environment. <laughs> they put the man in managed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they, um, their environment was just so um, volatile and I don't even know how to put it, man, but they were dealing with uh, real estate, you know, transactions and, and, and um, it, it was real time live yeah. kind of everything that the, the data had to be clean and fast um, i need it so. now 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 like yeah, you know, yeah. absolutely yeah. yeah and and at that time there wasn't any other providers that uh would even pick up the phone to have those conversations and meanwhile you're over here like yeah how can we help and yeah that, and you know, that was crazy at that I time you always heard you know horror stories about the other companies the competitors i mean i'm sure that those other companies were probably decent companies, right? Like yeah. Savis had some huge accounts for a reason. Yeah. They must have done something right. For sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm curious. Is that like a competitor of Rackspace? They or? were. Okay. I yeah. don't even know where they are. I, I, I've completely lost touch with the hosting industry since I left. So yeah. I have no idea if they still exist. Yeah. Probably. I don't know. I don't know either. Probably a different name. Yeah. Probably, but, you know, yeah, they were based out of New York and they were kind of the the go-to for these big banks and big investment houses and stuff like yeah. that. So mm -hmm. they managed a ton. Um, anyway, yeah. So, but Rackspace was a huge part of helping me find myself, honestly. You know, yeah. you, would, you would think that would have happened by the time you were in college, <laughs> but yeah. I'm still finding myself. <laughs> what, what do you mean by that? That it was a big part of you finding yourself? Because I'm, I'm, or where that question comes from is I hear that a lot. And I feel yeah. that as well. That, yeah. but how does how do you feel that you? What did you find about yourself at Rackspace that you just didn't know before? I think it was <laughs> the opportunity that I was given to be involved with these, and and to be impactful with these yeah. customers, big customers. Yeah, and. To, to see that you are doing a job well and finding finding what your strengths were, you know, within that job, I think that was just a big part of it when I look back on it. And and the positive feedback and the the mentorship and coaching and guidance I got from my various managers and coworkers and um it was the first time in a professional setting where I felt like I belonged and I was actually doing a really good thing yeah you know um it's cool when you hear people talk about you and yeah. it's like oh what like ship support people i so i was i was known in in the uh in the castle right for i had this like <laughs> now it's it was like a 
5.4 gigahertz wireless headset. It was just yes. like really awesome at the time. <laughs> and, um, Sick. and it had crazy range. And so I would be on a sales call and I would walk the entire Mervyn's. We, I was on the second floor. The enterprise BDCs were up there in the corner and I could take the escalator downstairs and walk around. I, I was always moving because if I sit still, I, you know, like even doing a podcast, is hard for me. Like I need yeah. to be moving to think and talk. Right. Yeah. So I was always on my phone and people, that's what they knew me as. They were like, Oh, he's, he's closing deals, walking around. Yeah. And I, that was the first thing they would tell anybody that knew me, but didn't know me during the rack space days. Oh, Tommy was always walking around closing deals. I would hear him hamming out, you know, so, <laughs> and it's kind of, it's cool to hear that. But, yeah. Um, I think rack space just gave everybody an opportunity to do their best. Yeah. And, and realize their best. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it, awesome. And it, and it was what you made of it. Really. Yeah. So, um, so let's talk about your transition out. You yeah. mentioned that you went from Rackspace into a startup. Um, what did you say it was called? City voice. City voice. Yeah. Um, so shout out. How is it? Yeah. Shout out city voice. <laughs> what, what was it? <laughs> Hit him with it. Uh, what was it like making that transition? Because Rackspace in 2011, mm-hmm. Stocks were high. Yep. The employees were coming in. I mean, they were high. at that time they were hiring a hundred people a month, and um, morale was high. Everything was was going great, and I think you know benefits were only getting better and stronger. Absolutely, it was a very safe place to be. What was it like going from that safe, that safe and secure job, to? something like a startup, which does not have that kind of safety and security. Yeah. I was drawn and really kind of fell in love with that startup feel and environment from the early days of Rackspace. So when it, 2011, when it became a lot safer and we had a lot more stability in my mind, that made it a little boring. Yep. Just a little bit. I can understand that. Still awesome. Mm -hmm. Still exciting. But the corporate, aspect of it Mm -hmm. was much more in your face. Um, and it wasn't a bad thing. It's just a, I missed the energy. Yeah. I missed that kind of all, all go, no, no quit, you know, building something, building a plane, you know, as as it's it's flying. Right. It's, it's very much like that. I fell in love with that. I always knew I was entrepreneurial. I just didn't know how to do it. Yeah. And so going to a startup, was a, a good learning experience for me um, because it, unfortunately when I joined, it was about four months, I think after I joined city voice that they shut down. So I like to claim credit for that. Yeah. <laughs> that was all me. So what was that like after, after you I mean, le- after, nuts. after city voice, what happened after that? After city voice, where did I go? Um, so I actually ended up at server beach for a little while. Oh, okay. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Robert Similar. Wiggins. Yes, of course. Yeah, Robert was there. Dax was there. Mm-hmm. Um, my direct manager was a guy out of Miami that I could not stand. So, you know, it was a hard transition. Yeah. It was just going from a supportive environment into something that wasn't. Right. Yeah, and, sure. You know, I think I also went into Server Beach with an un, um, an unjustified ego. Yeah. Right. And a lot of my growth over the last... 10 years has been checking that. Gotcha. You know? Like, like, do you mean like you went in there like, Oh, I'm Tommy McNish, the it's guy with clean. the headphones that <laughs> yeah. closes. Kind deals. of. And, yeah. and I look back on, it, I'm like, what the hell are you thinking? Yeah. But you know, at Rackspace, I felt like somebody big. 
Yeah. And I felt like I was doing big things. And there were several people. I mean, I was, my, my sales numbers were always good. I was making the rack star trips, you know, and people always tell, Hey, Tommy, you know, he was one of the best BDCs. And it's like, Oh, thanks. And I start believing that stuff. Right. And, it, and, and I think I was, I think I, I was good. Yeah. You know? But I didn't have any justification for walking into server beach thinking I'm too big for that shit. Yeah. I, I wasn't. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And then when I had a manager who just didn't, didn't vibe, it well, was, wasn't it was buying tough. what you're selling. You know, here's the other thing. I, you mentioned like living rack space when it was super stable. Mm-hmm. I was also in the middle of a divorce going through a divorce in 2011. And wow. in the middle of all that chaos and craziness, I decided to also leave my very comfortable job. <laughs> so I was yeah. like, I'm a glutton for punishment, man. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> Big I don't changes. know if like things are stable. It's making me feel weird. It's kind of yeah. like Ricky Bobby's dad. You know, he's like, I don't <laughs> like this. Yeah. yeah I gotta, <laughs> gotta go. Things are getting nice. Yeah. I don't know what it was, but, um, yeah, I, I just, the tornado was, yeah, was real. It kind of, it, it, I don't know if this is related, but it's kind of like the, your upbringing too. I mean, you were used to yeah, maybe so, a yeah. lot of like yeah. change, you know? I mean, yeah. when you're moving every year, that's like making new friends and what clothes are cool here. And like, well, I have to get a new backpack. And <laughs> I was like, I got to roll the bottom of my jeans. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this is before your time. I know. But <laughs> Dang it. They don't roll jeans here. I thought yeah. that was cool. A rollerblade still cool. <laughs> <laughs> they never were. But yeah. Never were. But yeah. So, so that, that's really interesting <laughs> though. How like, you know, you do, you did kind of chase that like, chaos like yeah, it I think seems like that you're probably onto something fueled you wow, i don't that's... know if any therapist i've ever talked to has brought that up but that's good yeah. hey that is good. <laughs> and it all happens on geekdom underground geekdom yeah. underground this baby is, hey, man, I, <laughs> i'm a big fan of keep give it real and honest and you yeah. know i i think it's fair so so one of the things that i've always struggled with i have add it's pretty significant yeah and even at 45 it's still um, has a pretty strong impact. And so I'm medicated to help with it. Like most people who have it. Um, but along with ADD, I've also kind of since college, I've struggled and suffered with a little bit of depression, right? Yeah. Most people that know me wouldn't know that, but it's, um, something that really, really became front and center when I started my own company. Um, and I didn't expect that. Yeah. And so it's interesting to me, you know, things that Willie and Rue aren't going great, just reality. Yeah. You know, they're not going great. And, um, you don't hear that very often when you talk to somebody about their business. Yeah. You know, you talk to entrepreneurs and you're like, Hey, how are things going with that? Oh, good, man. We got this investor and we've got uh, these customers that we're talking to. And hopefully that's always true, but you very rarely hear an entrepreneur say things are kind of crappy right now. Yeah. Um, and I think that has a lot to do with, you know, if you say your business is struggling, it's almost like saying you're struggling. Yeah. You know, so, mm-hmm. and, and, and recognizing and owning that is tough. And if you're a business owner, you, you don't want people to think you're struggling you've got people that might want to invest in you. You got people that's important for sure. So you just don't, it's something I don't think you hear very often. And I wonder a lot about like the, the mental health capacity of entrepreneurs and it's not talked about that much. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. That awareness. Yeah. That awareness is great though, to not have the blinders on and think that we talk about this on here all the time, how it's not 
always sunshine and rainbows. Yeah. What you see on Instagram isn't always like yeah. the things that are happening behind closed doors. There's always hard stuff going on. Yeah. Even when things are going well, it's hard. Yeah. But you're loving it because it's yours. I yeah. still love it. Things aren't going great, but I love what I do. Yeah. I mean, I am, uh, full disclosure, I had my third interview today with the company because I need to get back in the workforce because... My wife has been amazing helping support this as I, this dream of mine to have Willie and Rue take off. Um, and something hasn't gone right. And unfortunately, I'm just not the right guy to figure out what it is. And the people that I've tried to, to, to help me figure it out haven't been able to. Um, it's still a work in progress. I'm not yeah. giving up on it. Sure. But, you know, we're burning cash, right? So, yeah. Um, you got to have those thresholds. You have to have those benchmarks on when do you, when do you pull the plug on something? When do you? That's the hard part, man. Yeah. That's when do you really hard part. think about like what's the time to pull back, yeah. and you know maybe focus on something else. It's um, tough. You know you don't want to be a quitter, right? You yeah. Know, but you know you do learn a lot more from your failures than you do from your successes. One hundred percent. Yeah. And and um, while Willie and Rue is still in business and we still have customers and they are overwhelmingly happy with what we do for them, which is awesome. And that's kind of one of those bright spots that you latch onto, right? Like our customers really love what we're doing and they're telling us about how their dogs are, 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 you know, moving around more than they did because of the supplement they're taking or their anxiety has been reduced. And, you know, those are the things that you go, okay, cool, man, I'm doing something cool. Yeah. And they tell you about how when the box shows up every month, the dogs know it. They recognize the color and yeah. they know it's theirs and they get all excited and it's like a big party, uh, you know, that, that day every month. Right. Like, and that just like, Oh man, it fills me. I love that shit. Yeah. And, um, and I want to keep doing it. Yeah. You know, so you're right though. There's the time when you go, all right, you want to keep doing it, but how real, you know, how smart is it to keep doing this? Right. Um, I could probably get more money from family members that wanted to support me, but should I? Yeah. You know, and, mm -hmm. and knowing exactly when that time is, it's tough. Yeah. And, and you really do need help. And I think one thing I love about geekdom is that everybody's always willing to help. Yeah. It's been that way as long as I've been a part of it. And I was just having this conversation with, uh, the white cloud team. I sat in the office and we talked a little bit. They asked, what can we do to help? And I was like, you know what? I wish I had an answer for you. I wish I yeah. knew exactly what to ask for. And when I leave people, I usually go, Hey, is there anything I can do to help you out? Is there something I can do to help your company? Like I, I try to ask everybody that, especially geek to members and entrepreneurs, like, what can I do to help you? And usually they're like, Oh, thank you for asking. I don't know. And it's hard, but you, yeah. you want to have something to say. You want to have something because everybody needs help, whether they know it or are willing to ask for it. Yeah. Everybody needs something. And I can help with certain things. I'm certainly not capable of helping with others and, and vice versa, but I, I don't know. I'm not sure exactly what I'm trying to say, except that it's productizing almost that helpful factor was something that when I was working at geekdom, I was always trying to figure out how do we do that? Like, how mm -hmm. do we, how do we get it, you know, take that community aspect of, you know, these people are experts in certain areas and, how can we make them, how, how can we take that and make it available to other geek to members who need that service? Yeah. And it, it's, it's definitely still a part of the, of the gig and, and you know, it's the timing and how much money and, you know, there's always something. But. You know, sometimes just that question of asking somebody, is there anything I can do to help or how can I be helpful? Yeah. Sometimes that like sparks the question in their own mind that like, maybe I need help. <laughs> mm -hmm. Maybe yeah, I, I didn't so. even 
think about that. Like, what? Everything's perfect. Yeah, man. everything's great because you you do want to. I mean, you do. You are your own cheerleader. Sometimes these entrepreneurs are working in a silo, and you know yeah. that's where you're right. That mental health component. I mean, that has to be addressed. I think so. You know? I think so. And I don't know. I think in society at large right now is becoming a lot more aware of mental health issues and more mm-hmm. accepting of mental health issues. And, um, and I think that's important, yeah. obviously, uh, to feel comfortable enough to share that, like with you guys right here, mm-hmm. I'm just like, Hey, yeah, I suffer with depression. Um, yeah. I have for a long time. I don't feel vulnerable saying that. I don't feel like, um, um, like I, I, like I want to shy away yeah. from that. You it's know, nothing to be ashamed it, of. It's I, you a know, it's thing. It's a chemical issue. It's mm-hmm. brain, you know, receptors in my brain that work differently. And you know, when depression rears its head, it tells you a lot of lies, man. And yeah, and I don't know if you guys have ever dealt with it, but it sucks. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely sucks, for yeah. sure. How do you? Um, how did you? What were you trying to solve when you created Willie and Rue? Yeah. Um, okay. So when Willie and Rue became an idea, I was. So I worked for Geekdom for a while, mm-hmm. director of business development, um, loved it, working with Lorenzo again. I mean, I kind of just follow Lorenzo. He's my, <laughs> he's my guy. Um, he finally kicked me. He's like, okay, stop following me. <laughs> and then while I was at Geekdom, um, one of the Geekdom members became the executive director for San Antonio Pets Alive. Oh, right on. And, um, I had been talking with him about his business and we were kind of, you know, great guy, really strong ideas. Um, and we sat down in, in, in the Tron conference room one day and he was like, Hey, do you want to come run operations for Sapa? And I was like, what? I'm a sales guy, man. Like I'm business development. He's like, no, I think you could really do this. And I need that energy and we need that entrepreneurial spirit there. Cause we got to make some changes and, and, um, you know, I owe him a lot because, you know, I thought about it and I talked to my wife about it and it was a great opportunity to do something I was always passionate about, you know, dogs and, and pets. I, I'm just a big animal guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Always volunteered and worked with shelters and fostered and, you know, did all sorts of stuff like that and always grew up. I mean, it's just, I, I'm that guy that is like. I, I turn into like a little puddle and I get down at the same level as the dogs mm-hmm. whenever I meet a new dog yeah. and I'm like talking to them in stupid voices, even though you don't know who I am. And I'm like, yeah. And people are like, this guy's crazy. Uh, I just, you know, I'm just, I love. Dogs. What is it about dog? I don't know. I don't know. But my whole family calls me the dog whisperer because yeah. like, I'll just get down and, and a dog that otherwise doesn't, you know, really connect with people. I can, I can get that engagement and that feels good. Mm -hmm. I I think what it is about dogs, that's a great question. I think it's just that they're so purely good. Yeah. Yeah. They're pure love and dogs that are called bad dogs only become bad dogs because the people that had them made them that way. Yeah. You know, we don't deserve dogs. We don't, we don't deserve them. We don't. (laughs) We don't. And I say that all the time. I was like, God, I hate people. I wish I did. <laughs> if you were a dog, I would speak with you differently. Uh, I know, right? Like, why can't we all... Sh- my son said that once. Like, uh, <laughs> my stepson, we were at the, <laughs> we were at the breakfast table, and his, my, my wife got on him about something. He, he did something stupid. And then immediately we went in, and, and she started talking to our dog, Rue, who's one of the do- namesake of Willie and Rue, right? He's a disabled dog that we adopted from Sapa. 
And she was like feeding him from the breakfast table and taking care of him. And Gabriel was like, God, I wish I was a dog in this family. <laughs> <laughs> and it was so true. We're like, yeah, I completely see that. We yeah. spoil the hell out of our dog and our <laughs> kids get the tough love. <laughs> kids are eating off the floor. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, the dog's at the table. Gabe's yeah. eating out of the bowl. Yeah, <laughs> makes him stronger. Oh, my God. I never <laughs> experienced that that love from a pet ever. Yeah. I didn't grow up with pets. I mean, we had them, but they were like my sister's dog or my brother's dog. I never had one, right? So yeah. like recently, in the last couple of years, yeah. I've been able to like feel that love from a puppy. It just like nice. adores me. Dude. Yeah. Walking through the door, just freaking out. And oh my God. it's You know the Spurs Coyote's not a dog. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Just I to be clear. Not a puppy either. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah, that's creepy. <laughs> John's a furry. We're oh, an exclusive here on the Kingdom Underground. Hey. <laughs> no, but you're right, though. I do remember you talking about that mm -hmm. when we were playing video games. You, you were, like, messing with a dog. And you were like, dude, I've never liked dogs like this. But yeah. I just never, yeah, had the opportunity to connect with a puppy, especially, like, a little bitty puppy seeing it grow. Yeah. Oh man, I'm about to cry right now. Oh, yeah. dude, see. Oh man, yeah, I, I completely relate, brother. I For sure. am, um, I'm smitten with animals in general. Yeah. So when I got that opportunity and 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 I went and and I ran operations for Sapa and it was just a total change from anything I'd ever done. Yeah. And unfortunately, not long after I started over there, the 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 guy that recruited me or asked me to come help ended up being asked to leave right so so now i was the chief operating officer is what they gave me this title right and so now i'm kind of the de facto guy right and it was an awkward time yeah for sure and there's a lot it's a tough job it's a tough job because you i, I love animals but sapa's whole mission is to take the dogs and cats that have been through every other option and now they're on <coughs> death row, literally the euthanasia list at the city shelter and Sapa goes through every day and they take as many as they can, you know, and it's a tough, tough job, especially for the people. I had so much respect for the people that worked on the front lines doing this. Like, um, yeah. a, a good friend, Claire, she was the operations director and she, worked at animal care services and was literally directly walking through with a list saying that we had space for 10 and there's 22 dogs and she needed to pick 10 that were going to live. Oh right? God. It's, and I walked through with them a few times and I, you know, running operations, I should have walked through a hell of a lot more, but I emotionally, I couldn't handle it. That's very tough. You're walking past a crate and this, and this poor dog is, is, barking and snarling and you know he's not mean he's scared to death he's in a crappy environment mm -hmm. yeah but he's gonna be hard to adopt out yeah and so you have to pick the ones that are gonna have a better chance of finding a home and man it's oh god it was horrible yeah that's hated that sounds it. really tough hated it every other part of the job loved it <laughs> yeah <laughs> that, for sure that part was tough um it's it's crazy how like the things you love about a job are they can get blurred out by the one thing that just affected you negatively in an emotional yeah, way. Yeah. I mean, it's a, the overall experience working for Sapa was still really good. Yeah. It yeah. was still really good. Um, but it's tough. And it, you know, one of the things that I tried to do while I was there was 
shift the dynamic a little bit because when I joined, it was just everything was about saving the animals, which absolutely it is, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely Mm -hmm. it is. But it was done at the expense of the welfare of the staff. Yeah. Like it doesn't matter. Hey, it's Saturday at 2 a.m. We had this call. It doesn't matter. You got to go do it. Um, and that's cool and that's admirable, but it has a time limit. Yeah. There's a, there's an end point to that where somebody's going to break. And the turnover was significant when I was there, when I started there. Um, because I think that, that compassion, uh, there's a term for it. Compassion fatigue, compassion. I can't remember. It sounds right. Yeah. Something like that. We'll go with that. You know, Mm -hmm. people that are in a, in a, in an industry where you have to care for people or animals and you, you hit a point where you, you know, you just, man, you're burned. Yeah. yeah. You're burned. I can see that for Nurses, sure. Versus hospice, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and so compassion fatigue was a real thing for a lot of the staff at SAPA. And um, so what I tried to do when I was running that was to shift the focus to the people. Mm-hmm. And my, my thought on it was that if we take care of our people and show them that they're loved, trying to build that culture like I felt at Rackspace, yeah. right? Uh-huh. Um, then they will do good work mm-hmm. and and work effectively and efficiently um, because they feel supported and cared for and empowered. Right? Yeah, and um, and 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 I it did. Our 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 uh, our uh, turnover went went down, which yeah. is great, and I saw that as a, a good thing. And you know, it was just a man. It was a, it was a wake up call working there. And then when did, did you start William Rue while you were there or after? I came up with the idea for it there and I pitched it to, at, at the time I pitched it, we had hired and uh, finally found an executive director to come in um, and put her in the role. And I was assistant to her essentially for a while. And um, I pitched the idea to her. I was like, I, I see this as a partnership engagement where it's not so much about um, the for-profit side of it for the business, but I think let me back up a little bit. So one of the things I learned in the you know year plus that I was at SAPA is for a medium or small nonprofit, it's constantly a, a, a begging game, almost, mm. right? Like you're counting on that grant to get approved. You're counting on rich donor number five to come through with the match. Um, yeah. And it's always, so at no point when I was at SAPA, did we have more than three months worth of payroll in the bank? That's freaking crazy. Yeah. That's very stressful. Absolutely. Yeah. And and unfortunately, most of the staff knew that. Yeah. You know? And so it's like, am I going to have a job next month? It was a hard environment. Yeah. Um, and so I thought I mean, it would be really great to create a product or a service that people were happy to spend their money on and got some real value out of, but then they were also benefiting a cause. Mm-hmm. And it, it exists in lots of companies, the social entrepreneurship, that was something I really kind of say, man, I think that's the way things are going to go. I think that's the way entrepreneurship, uh, the social entrepreneurship and the nonprofit funding. I see that as a good, hopefully the way it goes in the future, but I wanted to focus. There's other companies that like say, um, they partner with foundations that spread that money around all over the country or all over the state. I wanted it to contribute to one organization, like one group that's doing good work and make a significant impact on that organization and help them with their mission. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I pitched it to SAPA and, um, the executive director at the time was like, no, I, I really want you to do what you're doing. Um, but I kind of got excited about it and I was kind of already 
one foot out the door yeah. because things, you know, again, I moved around a lot. Yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> Apparently that was it. Damn, you're good. Um, <laughs> and so uh, I decided to just go do it. Yeah. And All gas, no brakes. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I, that that was, you know, and I, I found another organization, one that we had done some stuff with called Daisy Cares. Uh-huh. Um, they're based out of the food bank. They're kind of like a food bank for pets, right? People who fall on hard times and are in need of food bank services oftentimes would come in and say, can I get some food for my dog or my cat? And a lot of them, when they couldn't afford to feed them or give them proper health care, they would just abandon them, right? Or they would surrender them. And the animals that were surrendered at the city shelter were always the ones at the highest risk because they've already been in a home. Somebody gave them up. So by default, their time in the animal care services was shorter, mm. right? So, gotcha. so Daisy Cares, where, where Sapa was on one end of the spectrum, where it's like they've gone through everything and Sapa is just collecting as many as they can to try to save them now that they're a, you know an hour or two away from being euthanized. I, Daisy Cares is on the front end of the spectrum where they're preventative, right? Like they're helping families keep the pets yeah. by providing them with food and giving them grants for vet care and whatever it is. And, and they also do a lot of really great education um, uh, for, for people in the community. So it's really, really awesome organization. Shout um, out. Shout yeah. out Daisy Cares. Yeah. So we partnered, we've been partnered with Daisy Cares as long as we've been in business. And I wish we were doing a lot better so I could be giving them a lot more money. Yeah. But we do contribute a percentage of all of our proceeds to them. And every quarter we write them a check and, you know, and it's great to be able to do that. And my accountant's like, why are you sending money? I was like, because <laughs> I promised. You know? Yeah. 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 That's, that's the arrangement. That's very cool. I mean, um, yeah, it's, I, I, I think that model has a lot of potential Yeah, and it could be good for the business and really good for the nonprofit and everybody's happy and I'm a yeah. big fan of win, win, wins. So, you know, there's a term for it. There's like a business term. It's like, I, f- I forget what it is. It's like conscious something or yeah. another. Yeah. Oh, like, like whole foods and you know, there's certain like makeup products that will like you know, donate their proceeds. Tom's, you buy a pair, you, yep. you know. Exactly. And Tom's shoes was exactly the model when I, when I thought about doing it. I was like, yeah, that's awesome. You know, they buy a pair of shoes. They dedicate, they donate a pair of shoes to a kid that needs it. That's exactly what I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, and so Tom's shoes, Patagonia does a lot of good stuff for like mm-hmm. environmental causes. Um, there's a lot of companies that do that. And there is a specific type of business formation. Um, it's a, I'm blanking out now. Um, a B Corp. Mm. It's a B Corp um, for a benefit corporation, right? Where actually in the bylaws of the corporation, you, you can write in there that a percentage of the work you're doing or the money that's coming in is actually in the bylaws. So it can't be, uh, well, it can't be, but you know, it makes it a little more formal and firm. Yeah. Um, and Sorry to, to get certified, to and it, there's a certification for it. Um, so you I have don't. to show that you've done a certain amount of this and, and you can get certified as a B Corp and, and not every state recognizes that designation. Texas does though. And uh, when I started Willie and Rue, they didn't. Um, so I actually incorporated out of Delaware so that I could try oh, to really? try to earn that B Corp status, mm-hmm. um, which has been a whole different headache because it's like different states, franchise taxes, these yeah. taxes, this and yeah. And so like, I think about a year after I started Willie and Rue, the Texas house passed that they recognized benefit corporations. And so anyway, 
whole different song. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah, it, it's cool. But yeah, that's what you're thinking of, I think, is yep. B Corp. And um, yeah, I can't, yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's an awesome thing if you can you know, earn that designation because it really shows that they're making an impact and you know, <laughs> contributing a significant portion of their time or goods or services or money to uh to a cause yeah Yeah, it's really awesome well tommy thank you so much for coming on the podcast thank you for sharing your story getting vulnerable with us sharing the realness behind didn't see that coming starting (laughs) starting a company and realizing when it's a good time to to pull back my last question for you before we wrap things up is what advice would you give somebody who um is is in your shoes or was in your shoes let's say six months ago, a year ago, mm-hmm. whenever you started to realize that maybe there's, maybe we need to take this a different route. Mm. What advice would you give or what advice do you wish somebody would have given you? Man, that's a really good question. Cause I feel like if I knew that answer, I would have done it, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think that's true either. Um, I think it's just not being afraid to ask for help and seeking out advice from people that, can give it to you. Um, and being flexible, this is something I've always tried with my business is to, I think Bruce Lee used to say, be like water, Mm -hmm. you know, and just to, to, to let, to, to adapt to the environment. And I've kind of been like that. Like if somebody who knows what they're talking about tells me, yeah, you just need to change your business name. Cool. It's not Willie and Rue anymore. I'm not married to (laughs) it. Yeah. I'm not married to anything I've built. Yeah. Like I don't, the minute that you become attached to that and is I think when you become um, more vulnerable to, you know, sticking by something that maybe, maybe you shouldn't have. Right. You know, like, Mm -hmm. so that's what I just, I I kind of always, I say the advice I would give is just don't, don't be, don't be too firm and stuck in your ways. Um, Be open to suggestion and, 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 and advice. um, Even if that advice is huge. Yeah. Like stop, Doing a box for dogs. Yeah. Make it a box for guinea pigs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Guinea absolutely pigs is right. where it's at. You know, we that, that ties to one of our core values to have strong opinions loosely held. There you go. Where it's, yeah. it's not as important to be right as it is to collaborate and get to the right answer. And so I think that that's, that's great advice. Um, yeah. Thank you for that. Um, so Tommy, awesome. it's, it's been a wonderful time. Thank you for sharing your story. Mr. JRG, if you would, please, sir, take us home. Absolutely. It was an amazing episode. And just want to say again, thank you for being open, transparent, honest, and yeah, thank you for being a part of the Geekdom community. How do people learn about Willie and Rue? Do you have a website, social media? What do they do? All of the above. Yeah. So Instagram, Facebook, it's just, uh, Willie and Rue is the user or the, the profile. W I L. L-I-E. Uh-huh. W-I-L-L-I-E-A-N-D-R-O-O. Um, we've got a lot of really awesome pictures that you can, you know, enjoy of pets and dogs and people. Um, and then willianrue.com, the website. And I actually I actually uh, set up a discount code for Geekdom members if they do want to. Hey. Hey. Yeah. So it's just Geekdom20, and it's, it's good for 20% off any of the items in our store. Love um, it. And if you subscribe or if you buy a subscription for somebody as a gift... Um, it'll be 20% off the first three months of their subscription. That's right amazing. So we'll definitely shout that out. And uh, all of y'all listening, all you uh, Geekdom Underground podcast listeners, get something for the for the furry friend in your life, for sure. Just right. in time for the holidays. Well, thank you again. 
You're that welcome. promo code Thank one more time, Geekdom20. Geekdom20. There it is. Thank you so much, y'all, for tuning in, and we'll see you next week. Bye, everybody. Thanks, guys.